Hey everyone, it's Nick Carradza here, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we talk to Adam Schaefer from Mind Pump Media. Their podcast has over 2 million downloads a month, so these guys have built a little mini fitness empire, but what's interesting is we don't actually talk too much about fitness. Um, we actually get into more into their business and how they built their business, how three guys kind of got together to start this. They didn't even know each other. They were recommended to, to meet each other. They were, being, they were personal trainers, um, and they didn't even live in the same parts of the U.S. They started talking on Facebook, and then all of a sudden, this, this business was built out of this. Um, Anthony Molinero from our team is actually on this podcast as well. He's the one that recommended kind of reaching out to these guys so so kudos to him for kind of making this thing happen so these guys they got together um, they built this business we, we discuss all the principles they followed and kind of their journey and what's interesting is there's a lot of synergies between what they were doing and and the things they did and, and what we did so it kind of got into a really interesting conversation or at least it hit home uh, for me um, especially when they talked about their single philosophy that they really kind of focused on when they built and attribute a lot of their success um, to that so so that was really cool and then we just shifted gears in the middle when Adam brought up the Federal Reserve and I was like Adam who what kind of fitness guy talks about the Federal reserve on their podcast this this doesn't even isn't lining up for me at all so and that's when he explained he's like look we're right into this stuff and right into real estate and that's why i wanted to jump on this podcast with you guys so so we just kind of we just went down that avenue and we started talking about where they were investing why they invest in certain areas in the u.s what they look for why they've pulled out of some areas what they're doing with their capital now when they're looking at redeploying it so all this type of all this type of stuff so it, it ended up being a super super great conversation and um of course if you're in this area close to us you know the golden horseshoe area and you're interested in what's happening in real estate you can head over to rockstarinnercircle.com and on there there's a bunch of reports books you can sign up for our weekly newsletter and that's where we discuss what we're seeing on on the streets with everything we do in this business and uh, all the investors that we work with with the, the landscape changing so much with interest rates and the new provincial uh, government the new housing changes that they're announcing and and just like just, just the, the market in general just kind of with like with what's happening with buyers sellers and all sorts of stuff um, we're always kind of commenting and sharing the latest on that type of stuff so if that stuff interests you you can head over to rockstarinnercircle.com and check that stuff out and with that enjoy the episode are you ready to live life on your terms is it time to take charge real estate business building the economy health and nutrition and more it's the your life your term show with tom and nick Carazza. are you ready Let's go. Okay, so we are live with uh, Mr. Adam Schaefer from Mind Pump Media. And uh, we first came across Adam, or I came across Sal, who uh, runs a podcast with Adam. He just had a really good message about kind of busting the myths of the fitness industry and talking about how resistance training, you know, really is the number one way to lose fat, build muscle, really just to get healthy instead of, you know, the endless cardio uh, that a lot of people kind of jump into. And the more I looked into Sal and then you, Adam, and Mind Pump, I was like, wow, this is a pretty cool, I don't know, empire of fitness. You know, you're not, you're, you've got the podcast, but I think you've got some other companies as well. So do you want to just give a, a quick story of, of who you are, who you guys are, what Mind Pump is? Sure, sure. Um, there's four of us that are founders. Uh, and I think the reason why it's been as successful as it has is you have four serial entrepreneurs that were pretty su successful doing other things before we even got together. And we just saw a massive opportunity in the fitness space. Uh, that happens to be three of the four guys background. So the three hosts, Justin, myself, and Sal, we've all been in health and fitness for over 20 years. 
So, and in those 20 years, we did everything. Sal had his own location, uh, ran some of the largest, big, uh, largest gyms in the Bay Area, both me, Justin, and Sal. Uh, most of the time, I was running a fitness team. So I met, oversaw trainers and Sal uh, oversaw uh, the sales team. And we didn't, know, we didn't know of each other. So we actually worked in the same company. That's how big, because, so 24 Hour Fitness was at the time, the largest fitness business in the world. They were a billion dollar company. Uh, we had over which over one was that? Twenty four hour fitness. Yeah, twenty four hour fitness. So that so, was, and those those that was the first one that had access to the gyms without people there, right? And then you could get twenty four. That's why they well. They grew so, so they so they had they had people there. So the first gyms to ever do that was uh, Anytime Fitness was a, is a small okay. franchise that started doing it where there was no employees. That's an interesting model. I almost invested in years ago, but twenty four hour fitness really was. Mark Mastroff is the is the founder of that company who took it to a billion dollar company. And they were the first ones to stay open 24 hours. So nobody okay. was staying open for 24 hours. They did have like a front desk and a couple people working in there. But yeah, they were the first gyms to really do that. And really what they disrupted the space was they were the ones that like brought sales to like most people now, like I imagine you guys are familiar with the kind of car salesy feel that some people get when they go into a gym. Well, they yeah. built that culture. Like okay. before that, yeah, before that, you're talking about like the Arnold Schwarzenegger day. It was very small and clicky and dungy and the, the old guy who owned the gym forever. And it was like, yeah, come on in, try it out, whatever. It was Mark Mastroff who kind of really brought the sales team and really was aggressive about getting people in the doors. And that's why that thing went to a, a billion dollar company. So he's an absolute, wow. yeah, he's an absolute genius. We all three of us have had the pleasure to working for that company. But ironically, the, oh, Justin and I worked together. He worked. I actually hired Justin uh, over 15 years ago. But Sal and I had never met and we were top performers. So and I'm sure you guys know in the real estate world, if you ever worked for a big real estate brokerage, you could, you could you, if you're the if you're in the top one percent, you, you know who somebody is, even if they're across the country, because they're we have reports of who the best of the best was. So Sal and I actually knew of each other by our name, but had never met each other because we were top performers in, in the company. So long story short, years later, we actually happened to cross paths. We have mutual friends who keep telling us like, you got to meet this Adam guy. You got to meet this Sal guy. And at that time I was in the cannabis industry. So I started up two of the first medical marijuana clubs in the Bay area. I left fitness for a couple a short hiatus Sal was running his facility. Justin was building an app and uh, Doug was a client of, of, of Sal's. So it literally was this kind of random, you know, event that got us, got Sal and I talking over Facebook. We were ironically talking about marijuana because I was in the thick of it with the cannabis industry. He had a, 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 a dying mother-in-law. And so he was doing research on, uh, on cannabis. And this, we're talking like 12 years ago. So it's kind of taboo right now. I got into it when most people were scared to touch it or be around it because I saw the writing on the wall and where it was going. And Sal at that time was one of the few fitness people I knew that was like pro cannabis. And back then that was, there was fitness people were not pro cannabis. It was still, there was still this stigma around it. And so we started talking on Facebook about what I was doing, what he was researching. And I just so happened to be wanting to get out of it. I was at that time in my, in my career in cannabis. I was over it. Uh, I made a lot of money doing it, but I, I didn't like the industry. I missed health and fitness. I miss helping people. And so I was looking for an excuse to leave, the, to leave that industry behind. And Sal, at the same time, was looking to move into like the digital space in fitness. And so 
we get to talking back and forth. I go, you know what? Let's meet up. Let's just talk. I've had so many people tell me we need to hang out. We need to meet. We've met, we, at this point, we're talking on Facebook, but still haven't met each other in person. We get together in person and uh, he shows me what he's building. I tell him what I want to do and what I'm working on. And he goes, you know what? I want you to meet my buddy, Doug. I said, you know, I have a buddy, Justin, that I, I, I hired a long time. <laughs> let's all just let's all just get together and let's see what happens. <clears throat> so it literally went down like this where we just all were hanging out. We had no like plan. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to go build something together. It was like these guys all seem to have similar visions. They have similar things in mind. I could tell everybody was talented in their own way, but very different. And we all got in the room and it was just, it was absolute magic. In fact, my, my fiance, who at that time we'd only been dating for a couple of years was in the kitchen. And she was so enthralled by the conversation that we were having in the living room that she hit record on the iPad because she wanted to record everything we were talking about. Right. And we were just firing back and forth. It went on for like four hours. And towards the end of it, I think it was Doug, Doug or Sal, one of the two said, Hey, you know what? put this on a podcast now remember this is like eight and a half nine years ago so podcasting is not popular yeah, and yeah. but it just so happened to be that i was in like i was interested in the space i'd already been introduced to a podcast and i was fascinated by it but i look back at the guys and i'm like we don't have advertisers we don't have a network we don't have the equipment like how the hell are we gonna do that and doug piped in and doug's like i have all that we could easily do it it's not that hard and we all looked at each other like, really? Like, we could just start a podcast? And Doug's like, yeah, I got all the equipment. Because Doug happens to have, like, this passion for video and tech. And so he's got all these geeky equipment back at his house. And he's like, let's, uh, next weekend, let's together, let's just, let's just see what this looks like. So you guys started the whole thing with the podcast. That, that was the, that's how the, the whole, like, everything started around the podcast and just sharing information. And, and literally, what was so, what was so lucky about, the way we started this business was everybody had been successful doing other things. So it was hundred percent a passion project. Like we saw, and I'm, and I, obviously I'm skipping out some stuff like there, it's like some people are like, Oh my God, was this just like complete dumb luck? No, there's, you have four really intelligent entrepreneurs that understand the fitness space really well. We saw what was happening with Instagram, with YouTube, with podcasting, you could see the trajectory of those. So, you know, if you were paying attention, you had your eyes open, eight, nine, 10 years ago, you saw where a lot of this stuff was going. Yeah. And what we, and what we saw was most popular people on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube were like these kids, these kids that, you know, had their shirts off or they did gimmicks and they had millions of people paying attention to them and listening to them. And what we knew we were fucking really good at our job. We knew we were some of the best in, in our, in our area, we were already proven to be like some of the best trainers and we thought, man, if we can just get out there and provide the information that we've, we've accrued over these 15 years, because at that time we've been working for about 15 years in the space, and provide that information, I think we will we'll beat all these people. Even though yeah. I know we know, no, we, know, we know nothing about media, we have the, the knowledge that we have, the experience we have. And when I look at, when I look at my surroundings, these, the, the information these people are giving is crap. It's, just not, it's, it's not good. Yeah. And it's one thing that always freaked me out about that, that industry. So, I mean, I didn't share this with you before we started, but I've been kind of a gym rat. So I, I got, I got into working out, I guess at the end of high school. So I went, you're 19 years old because I didn't, um, I, I went to long story. I went to Catholic school up here. The Catholic school I went to was supposed to be like one of the semesters was half, half religion and then half spare. So I had the first half of the semester as spare. I said, well, why am I going to take religion? Spare is way better than religion. 
right? I can just hang out with my buddies. So I never went to the religion class. I ended up getting to the end of the year. I'm like, oh my God, I'm half a credit short of graduating. So, so to graduate high school, I, I looked for the easiest course I could find in summer school. And there was a grade 10 equivalent course, a weightlifting course. And uh, so I just took that, right? And uh, there was no turning back. Like since that day, I've just been regularly going, since that course, I've go been going to the gym regularly five or six times a week. And I just love it. Like I love it. My whole life revolves around it, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Um, uh, not as much as technical, you know, to, to the level you guys do it, but it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm into that world. I enjoy it. And it always freaked me out at the different gyms I've gone to. Sometimes you see some of the trainers and I'm like, why are these people like, I don't know a ton, but I'm like, why are these people hiring this person as a trainer? And it's primarily the big chains where they're just trying to, they just try to pump people through their little weekend training course and put them in and sell personal training. But I'm like, man, like if you're looking at this person and you just see their, and I, I mean, I know it sounds bad, especially in today's world, but if you look at their physical appearance, appearance and you're trying to change yours, don't you want to learn from someone that has like, kind of like has the success that you're trying to go after because then you feel like you're learning from someone that has the results. And I could never just piece, there seemed to always be this big gap where people never seem to see that. So it's obvious like with you guys, if you knew what you were doing and you're, you're like, like in any industry, there's 80, 20, well, if you guys are the top 20%, and then all of a sudden you're or higher, but then all of a sudden you start sharing those strategies. It's easy for people to see like, okay, these guys actually know what they're talking about, especially early on with, because I think a lot of people were scared of putting content out early on, but you guys just said, screw it. We're going to start pumping this stuff out. We did. And it, you know, when we asked a lot, like, Oh, did you think it was going to be this big? And you no, know, I thought it was going to be way bigger. I mean, we're still scaling and growing and we have, we plan to be much bigger than what we are. And obviously there has to be a little bit of narcissism there, right? I think uh, to be a very successful serial entrepreneur, you have to have a little bit of narcissism. We all believed that we were that good. We believed that we had that much. What we knew we weren't good at was we knew we weren't good at media. We knew that this, what we're doing right now, this took a long time to really hone in on the skill on how to interview and how to have a conversation back and forth that was entertaining that people want to listen to. That took a long time actually to get good at that. We were, we were fucking terrible when we first started. But the content that we had to provide, the, the information that we were providing, we knew that was gold. We knew that was a, a accumulation between three guys had been training over 15 years, hundreds, thousands combined of people. And that, that you just can't, you just can't get that in even in any textbook. You can't come out with even a PhD in our field and acquire the experience and knowledge that we had acquired from all those years. And you combine that with three guys that were really good at that. And then when you look at the landscape of the people that were the most popular people on YouTube and Facebook, they were, they were young kids. And a lot of, a lot of these kids, they, uh, I, I don't think they were trying to manipulate or hurt people or they just didn't know yet. I remember the advice I was giving when I was 22 years old, when I was brand new into the space, I didn't know a lot because I hadn't had a lot of experience in reps. And so we just, we just knew that if we could get out there, provide the information that we had to an audience we believed that we would we would capture all these people that are paying attention to all these ki these kids that are giving bad advice yeah. and even though we were raw and we were rough on the podcast the content was really solid and we we had the foresight to know not to get greedy and try and monetize right away and the focus was first prove that you're as smart as you think you are like we all believe we were smart we all believe we had good information so the goal wasn't like, oh, let's get the podcast going. And then we have product A, product C, product D. This is how we're going to make money. It's like, 
let's go prove to ourselves that we're that good. If we're that good, if we provide this free information, we should be able to capture all these people. And that was literally the business plan. The business plan was go out, prove that you have so much good free content that we will start to attract people by the hundreds and then the thousands. And that's what happened. We just started doing the pot and we were ripping the podcast three times a week. We were all meeting up at nighttime after we all were doing work and other things at other jobs. And we would rip two to three episodes together late at night after a full eight hour day, we'd spend another three, four hours of recording on two to three days a week. And we, we would start putting these, these episodes out and it just caught on. There was a, there was a lot of people that were listening to it and sharing it, even though podcasting hadn't really taken off. We believed, okay, if we can, if we can get in, like you said, in that top 20%, which we again, believed that we would be the best, but we, if we could just get into that top 20%, we would have established ourselves a large enough network that that would open the door for all of our other business ideas and ventures. And so that was it. That was really the business plan when we first started. But do you think, like, you guys had other uh, other jobs at that time. I, I, I wish we get into some fitness stuff as well. But so you guys had other sources of income. Did that allow you to not have to worry about monetizing it? Because I, I agree with that philosophy wholeheartedly. Like, I, it's, it's like the best thing because, you know, and but if, if you had another, no other income, then would you have been able, like, was that a conscious decision because you're like, ah, we don't need to right now as well? When, when people ask me, like, what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes that you made when you first started this podcast? I actually say that one of the biggest mistakes was us not going all in making no money sooner. I still think today it's our Achilles heel. We never, we never were hungry. We always had income. We were always safe and we're, we're talented. We're good. But I tell you what, there's been small, there's been small microcosms in, inside the business where we've had like a dip in revenue. And boy, I tell you what, my, my partners are fucking savage. When they, when we're, when we're at all the slightest bit scared, you see another level out yeah. of all of us. And I wish, I wish we were hungry. I wish we didn't have a job. I wish that I was living on top, like my old teenage self when I was coming up. Like, I wish we had, because my partners are just like me. Like there, there is no fail. There is no, it, we're going to starve. We, we would have figured it out earlier, but because we had a nice cushion, it allowed us to slowly kind of get there and like, wait, wait to monetize for like a year and a half. And then as the revenue started to come in, oh, it's still not enough to live off of. Let's wait until it's a little longer. I think we'd be where we're at right now years ago if we would, if you would have thrown us in the fire right away. And it was me who was pushing that. So I was the only guy who didn't have a family yet. So I didn't have, a, I didn't have a kid. I wasn't married. My, the, the other three guys all had kids. So here I was like, let's go, let's sleep. Let's sleep yeah, in the yeah, studio. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's live off of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Let's not, let's not take a day off until this thing is, is running and making money. And they were all looking at me, you fucking crazy. No, I don't have, <laughs> we don't, why? They're like, why, why do we, why do we need to? It's building, it's growing. We have this. So I actually think that, um, I think having the luxury of actually having income is an Achilles heel where a lot of people think, oh, you were so lucky because you have this income and you had the luxury to not monetize. Nah, bullshit. I don't believe that. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. I, I was gonna say, yeah, I, I meant it more like, you know, did that allow you to do that differently? But I see what you're saying. It makes sense. And and, and it's funny because Tom and I will speak about the same thing with, with our business and it will be, um, so I was running another business with a friend of mine. There was some like, I'll save a long story, but there were some regulation changes. So that kind of, we had already decided, Tom and I, to start this business. 
And about a month after we had decided to start this, because I wanted away from what was happening, there was some regulation changes and that business kind of started falling apart anyways. And we look back and we're like, you know what, without, so he had a full-time job, two young kids. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't even married yet. I was about to get married in a few months. So I had the time and we're like, man, without that happening and that business kind of going the other way and me not having to even think about it anymore and being able to buckle down here early on. Um, I, same thing. Like, we don't know if we ever would have gotten off the ground. And then we used his paycheck. So he was taking like, I forget what he was paying me when we started. It was like two, three, 400 bucks a week, just some like spending money that he would give me out of his paycheck just to kind of like, as we kind of got up. So we were using his paycheck to support his family with two new kids and me a little bit just to like some spending money, which I was like, it didn't matter. I was about to get married. We could make ends meet. I had some savings. You know, we had already been able to buy a house. I had a couple of rental properties for that point. So I was like, we can make this all work. Um, but uh, to your point, if that, you know, if, 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 if we never lost my source of income, I don't know if we would have been as hungry or just focused as much on it, uh, you know, as, as we did. And it kind of changed things. What, I, I, I was going to ask you, what did you guys start with? Like, did you, did you pick a particular focus around the fitness that like something training that you guys were doing that you thought would, would catch on with people specifically? Like, was it so, weight training? Was it diet? Like, what, what was it that you kind of, you know, was there any logic to that? Or you're just like, yeah, we don't care. Let's just put it all out there and see what the hell happens. No, no, no. There was, it, we were, we were methodical about that. There's a lot of little methodical things that we did that like, and we made it look like we weren't right. As far as like, it, it came off as this organic, natural conversation, but what we saw, okay, so first I told you when I looked at the, uh, you know, media streaming platforms, what the opportunity we saw. The second opportunity that we saw was in podcasting. When we looked at the best podcasters. At that time, it was Ben Greenfield, Tim Ferriss, um, uh, Lane Norton was out there. And these, these are all like the, the, the biggest fitness names that had a podcast. And, and by the way, those are friends of ours, but they, I thought they were terrible. I just I thought I mean Tim Ferriss is good and people like really like his stuff and he's not exactly as as fitness focused as we would be, but really what I thought was missing there was a couple of things I I thought that was missing with when I when I labeled those people and any, anybody that was in the fitness space at the time, you kind of had like two extremes, you either had like this pure entertainment where they, they didn't know anything really about fitness and science or you had this like pure educational where it was like like Elaine's podcast or Ben Greenfield's podcast super science heavy. You have to be a real nerd to really like it. And what we thought was nobody is having the conversations that we had with our clients for 20 years. For 20 years, I had an a, a engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, a stay-at-home mom that I trained. And the way I conversed with them sounded nothing like what any of these people were talking. Nobody sounded like that. And so we wanted to bring that conversation to the masses because we knew what, okay, what it takes to keep a client. So if you, if someone buys training from you and you keep them for years, the reason why you keep them from years is one, of course you educate them and you teach them, you help them, right? If I, if I'm, if you, if you hire me and I, I don't, you don't think I know more than you in health and fitness, you're probably not going to keep, stay with me. So that's first, I got to know my shit. But the other reason why you stick with me is because you like me because you enjoy the conversation. You enjoy meeting me every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Cause you're like, fuck, I like that. I don't like we yeah. have a good time. You pay for, you pay for the friend. It's the companionship yes. while you're there too. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. You, so you, so that, that formula is part of the, the secret sauce behind the show is that we knew we had to bring that type of a conversation because if I just, if I gave you all the science, I could have done that in, in the first 50 episodes. So we're on episode coming up on 2000 right now. Well, how the fuck do we keep doing that? Well, that's because, it's a conversation. 
and and we we say it a different way a hundred different times and we have we talk about other things that's really what training a client was about it's not like all i talked to my clients was macros and biomechanics and like you know physics it's like no we went into what's going on in in the world and and yeah. talking about relationship stuff and bettering ourselves like so we saw that conversation wasn't we had we knew that if it was going to go viral or was going to be huge was we not only had to educate, but we had to entertain at the same time. And what we thought what would be entertaining was if we had this natural conversation where we talk about the things that we're into the audience while also educating. So I think really when you go back to the early terrible episodes, terrible because we, were, we weren't good conversationalists at that time on the podcast. It took a little while to figure that out. But you would walk away on every episode and probably – laugh or snicker and but then always walk away with like a nugget you're like damn i didn't know that or what yeah. wow that was that was really useful and so that was like kind of the recipe was can we entertain you for that and back then they were only a half hour episodes can we entertain you for a half hour and can we give you something that's that's applicable to your health and fitness journey where you walk away and go like damn that was good and that's what kept people coming back was and what keeps people forever like that we've had long like lifelong you know mind pump fans is not the science anymore. We've educated them so much. They know what we're going to say it before we say it, but they come back for the conversation. Yeah. 100%. They come back. They yeah. Adam, I was just going to ask um, how much of that conversational uh, prowess, let's say, like just came from doing a bunch of podcasts and uh, becoming a better conversationalist versus maybe how much of it was just being camera shy or microphone shy when you first started out, because there's a difference when you're just talking to your friends and then all of a sudden the lights and camera on and you're supposed to make it entertaining, educational. So, so till, to this day, um, you can throw me on a stage with thousands of people and I'm more comfortable than I am talking to a camera by myself with my video guy. That's still just, I, some people, and I, the, the generation coming up, they have a knack for it. The kids that have been, they grew up with the FaceTime and the looking at the camera and shit like that. Young kids tend to have most, you know, obviously I'm overgeneralizing, but uh, that still is awkward for me. So, yeah. So a part of it is, you know, that getting used to the cameras, getting used to uh, being recorded all the time like that, being on mics and not getting in your head going like, oh my God, you know, tens of thousands of people are going to hear this today. Like, you know, and start got, being worried about what you say. Like, so yeah, there was a lot of that. And we knew part of the strategy on the, as many episodes, like, so people thought we were crazy when we, when we got up to five episodes a week, cause nobody was really doing five episodes a week back then. And everybody's like, what are you doing? Like, how do you come up? And really the way we looked at it was we, we knew we sucked and we knew we just needed to get the reps. I mean, I, I definitely 100% believe in the 10,000 hour rule. Like it takes 10,000 hours before you become a master or anything. We're still not there at 10,000. So it was like the, the goal for us was like, how close, how quick can we get to that 10,000 hour mark to where we get comfortable and let's not hang, let's not get hung up on, oh, uh, that, that sounded terrible when I said that, or oh. And the podcast is cool though, because it's recorded. And in the early years, I used to listen. And it, it, was, it was incredible feedback. Like I would listen to someone and be like, oh my God, why did I say that? Like, that's not how I feel, or that's not how, <laughs> right? So you, you, you start to hear, you hear yourself the way you communicate something enough times. And it's, it's different when you say some shit and then you don't think about it the rest of the day. But when it's recorded, for me to go back and listen to it, you really start to analyze. And we're all very growth-minded guys, right? So everybody is very self-aware. Everybody's growth-minded. Like nobody gets their feelings hurt because I said something stupid. Like we could call each other out like that too. Like we can hang up the mics 
And I can look at Sal and be like, bro, why did you say that? That was stupid. Like, why? Like, why? So we would, and we would do that with each other. So we have a really interesting relationship that like behind the behind closed doors, like there's Sal and I will yell at each other and get after each other. Like, but then it's amazing because we both have so much respect for each other that when we get after each other, it's purely like, if you, I don't know if you guys were athletes at all, but it's like, it's like two bulls that were on the same team that are hell good at what they do and have got no problem calling each other out because they still have mad respect for their game, sure. but then they want to win. They want to win. They want to be the best at what they do. And so we had that attitude on, on the mics when we would, when we would record. You guys talk like some of the stuff you guys were doing are things that, you know, people, they're, they're lessons that are taught to people. You like there are these marketing principles that, people don't really grasp, right? So like when you guys decided to give away things at, at, at first and kind of give away content to try to build a business and get, get some um, some people listening and that type of stuff, when you just, when you realize that it's like not it's the technical aspect of everything, but you need the conversation, the personalities behind it, that's what people are looking for beyond that. And I know you learned it from another business when you're, you're like, hey, you know, another one is you guys were just not trying to be perfect early on. You're like, you know what? It's you just got good is good enough. You know what I mean? We got to get something out there and keep doing that were you guys read like was this all from you guys just like ah we just feel this way were you reading you know you're obviously smart guys you're into self-development you're disciplined because you know from work from working out that type of discipline carries over to other things were you guys reading books and stuff like this as you were building the journey and like business stuff saying oh okay this you know did anything kind of stand out or maybe i guess maybe other podcasts like you mentioned tim ferris podcast you know he would have some kind of uh business guys on before personal development type, type people that would share all that type of stuff I'm just curious kind of how you piece that type of stuff together or versus it just being like, if it just kind of came to you guys. Yeah. So uh, big readers for sure. Uh, especially me and Doug. So what has made this work too, is that some of the things that you just kind of nailed, like we all have like our strengths in different aspects, like um, the scaling, the business, the business acumen side, uh, probably Doug and I, the most, the science side, uh, keeping to our core integrity and and staying focused on our vision, Sal for sure. Tech on the back end side stuff and yeah. creativity and and that's Justin, right? So you have this beautiful mold between the four, and everybody was really see, everybody was really successful before this, right? So everybody had has been on their own journey of growth and like learning, and so and I'm a big reader, so I'm constantly reading. So I mean, you think of like all the the big Tom Hopkins, the Zig Ziglar's, the like I mean, I read all that stuff coming up yeah. and Napoleon Hills, like. So I've, I've read damn near every, every business book out there, leadership book out there. I'm a, I've read almost every John C. Maxwell. Like, so I love, I love leadership. I love business. I love scaling. I love all those things. And so we're all constantly reading and growing. That's also what that feeds into the conversation, right? So we all four, well, three, the, the three hosts have very different interests. So when we leave, that's kind of the formula today, right? It's like we go home, everybody is listening to their favorite podcast or watching their YouTube or reading a book. And it's all so different that when we come to work the next day, we don't tell, we don't communicate. We kind of have like this rule when we first get to work, like we try and keep the, the, the chatter minimal. So we don't, we don't ruin it by not, by not, by sharing content too early. And then we get to the, We get in the studio and this is like what it looks like. We sit down, Doug has a, a computer that's attached to the TV above him that we can see while we're recording. And I have notes and we all have notes in our iPhone. And what those notes are, are things that we read right before. So it's like, if I, if I just got, I last yesterday was, I just watched a great video that Alex Ramosi did. Right. And I've, I've read his hundred million dollar deal book. 
Um, so that was on there. Uh, new stuff coming out with the Fed and interest rates and where the real estate market's going. Like that was in there. What Jamie Diamond had just came out and said from JP Morgan, right? Hold on, hold so, on. I got to stop you for a second. Your fitness guys that are talking about the Fed and interest rates and what Jamie Diamond yeah. just said? Really? That's, that's because... So, that, that's what's no, in there. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, this is why we knew, this is why we had to name it Mind Pump was because even though where we're brilliant, that's not where we're passionate about anymore. I've read every fucking fitness book. There ain't nothing you're going to teach me about fitness today. Ain't nobody going to teach me something about fitness or Sal yeah. or Justin. So the things that we're passionate about, other stuff. Sal's reading about quantum physics. You know, Justin is like on in, in the, the movie industry and what, what's going on on that's or what new tech thing is out. Like Justin King on that. Real estate investing, like that's I love that shit. That's all I'm reading. That's all I'm watching. So, so the re the reason why it blows me away is because we're so we're in, we're in Canada, right? So we're based out of Toronto, and 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 you know we we look at the stuff that's going on with the Fed at, at Fed all the time. And, and what happened with us was when 2008 hit, and we were kind of caught off guard. And we're like, what is this like whole financial crisis thing? We didn't understand the way the money system worked at all. So Tom and I are both, we're kind of nerds in that way as well. Like we'll do a bunch of reading things. So then we started reading. I think what was the first one? Was it like Mike Maloney? It was a Mike Maloney book, the, the, the History of Gold and Silver. Then we got into like some Jim Rickard stuff. Then it was the Creature of Jekyll Island to how the understand how the Fed was. You know, so we started, we're like, what the hell is going on? And then we started going deep into this stuff and, and to, to to help us with our own decisions because what we liked as well and then we, we started sharing it with other people as well you know in our content and and people would come to us like guys why are you like following the u.s stuff so much like guys you don't understand the way this control like this isn't understanding the federal reserve and what they're doing isn't about understanding the u.s dollar this is about understanding the global money system and how it impacts us here and that's why that's why when, when you said that it blew me away because it, it's uh it, it it's funny anyone that wants to start figuring out beyond business how like money works ultimately they go back to the root of all evil to understand that and you have to monitor that to see how that works so if you're into business in any way you, yeah that that's why i was so surprised i'm like man i've never heard a fitness guy talking about that stuff before that's really cool so well, i mean well now you're getting into the stuff that i actually really like to talk about this is why i even take an interview like this i actually pass on a lot of fitness interviews i rather send sal sal communicates our message better than i do around fitness he's the bigger science nerd so you could ask super deep technical science questions and he's like he's an encyclopedia he actually has a photographic memory so the three of us will all read a study and sal will re remember it almost word for word the next day oh, like it's incredible. it's incredible I, I so yeah download information like that Jeez. oh oh me too i have to read things 10 times over before it finally <laughs> seeps in for me so but where i'm passionate about is is business and the real estate market and things that you're all talking about right now. that's what i read that's what i'm into that's what i'm paying attention to. at two o'clock today i have a call with my buddy who's a lawyer banker broker and the whole thing is to add value to my audience that like because people that follow me kind of know this about me that, that this is stuff that i talk about and bring and it all we're talking about is the economy right now what's going on with the fed what's going on with the real estate market what do we think is going to happen with interest rates like and and we talk that's what the whole conversation is supposed to be about today at two o'clock so that's what i and i'm passionate about that so i i'd rather talk about that right now and then i can sprinkle my my fitness knowledge in the, in the conversation but i rather talk about the shit i'm into huh. how long so, are you so what is going on you're Sorry, I think go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say, how long are your podcasts, and what percentage, if you had to try to guess, would be actually be about fitness versus talking about all your other interests and what you guys read about the day before? No, I don't have 
about that. There's no guess. There's actually a formula to it. So we do we do three episodes a week, which are called our quads. Quads a funny thing that we've named because it's like how you would spell Q and A, right? Justin made some dumb thing a long time ago and it just stuck. So we do we do three 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 Q and A type of podcast a week. Well, a Q and A looks like this: the first hour, the first fifty minutes to an hour, is all this talk. Whatever we're reading, whatever we're into. And that is it's and we don't we touch everything from politics to the economy to quantum physics to movies like that. We talk that that first hour, the back 20 minutes is we answer questions. So we have live callers two days a week, like like just like the I don't know if you guys remember Loveline with Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla back in the days, but it's just like that. Somebody calls in like they tell us their problem when they why they can't lose weight or whatever we're trying to do. And we help them and, and that you get to watch that conversation. The rest is all that, what I just said. And then two days a week, we do a short 50 minute episode that is focused on one fitness topic. That actually, that's what brings the leads in. So what gets the most, I, I can have, I had Tony Robbins on the show three months ago, a single episode where we, the three of us guys do about how to lose weight, you know, 10, the 10 steps to lose weight or whatever like that, that single topic episode will outperform Tony Robbins on my show. So those are what drive new listeners and leads because people search those type of topics. And so they hear us communicate that information. Then they come in, they start listening to the other episodes. And then you learn kind of about our personal lives, what we're into. And that's what makes people stick for long term. That's and so that's a good those, formula. That, it is. And, it, and what it did and what we it, it, it grew to that over time, we learned because we started to get the feedback about halfway through like episode 1000 or so, we were starting to get really big. And we had like this clear divide with our audience. We had 50% of our people like our politics that didn't like hearing us talk about economics that we would, we'd rub them. Cause you know, it gets fucking like religion, right? Some people are so funny. Like if you, you know, heaven forbid, tell a real estate person that like, Oh, you think the real estate's going to crash in the next six months. They get all fucking butthurt. Right. So we have people that get, they don't want to hear me talk about that, but they, they respect my fitness knowledge. So they would, you'd get these, we get these complaints and be like, I wish the guys would just shut up about politics or the economy and just talk about because they're brilliant when it comes to this. Then we have the other people that are like, I don't even listen to the fitness stuff anymore. I tune in just for the conversation because I, I respect these three minds and I love to hear their take on the economy. I love to hear their take on politics. I love to hear that stuff. So we had like this clear divide, like half and half. So we started to, to structure the show so that we could tell people what to anticipate that, hey, in the first half hour of the show, you're going to hear the guys talk about this, 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 and this. If you're here for the fitness, go to minute whatever. So we still have this audience that listens to all of the show, that listens to just the front half of the show, and then that just listens to the back half of the show. They're all different people. What, going back to real estate for a second, you're you're based out of California, right? Are your properties in California? Because you have a couple of properties. Do you focus residential, commercial? Or you so we're... Uh, we only have one property in Truckee, Truckee, California, which is right outside of Tahoe. Okay. That's our, that, that's our. Sorry. I, I, I keep zoom. It's so much easier in person doing these things, but I, know, but I, I appreciate know. you jumping on zoom, but they, um, the, um, what's happening in the markets right there because of what's been happening now with, cause we're ahead of you with, with interest rate hikes, right? We started hiking. So they, they were supposed to hike in January. They did it. They started hiking in February. And then we had two, what was it? Two, three quarter point hikes. I forget now we had two, three quarter point hikes early this year. So we're ahead of you guys. And now you guys are catching up because it looks like the fed's going to hike again. So I'm just wondering what you're seeing in the real estate markets around you. And to give you context, yeah, yeah. 
we went up here. So we're in the, I mean, you know, different markets are slightly different, right? But overall, in the Toronto area, a lot of areas around here, this the suburbs around Toronto stuff, went up about 50% in two years. And they really yeah. spiked from about December to February of this year was the, like the super spike. And now they've come yeah. down to reverse all the gains from about a year ago. So, so they're, they're down to basically last year's prices. Now I'm generalizing and stuff like that, but that's kind of what we, we saw with all the inflationary policies, you know, from when, when COVID hit and they just started pumping money into the system and drop rates and nothing. I'm just curious, what, what, what are you guys seeing around you? Yeah, yeah. now we're getting the stuff I love. So, I mean, we're in, we're in, we're in nine different states all over the country. So I have my pulse on the whole country on what, who's moving faster. I knew what states were going to get hit first and why. Like I called Idaho. So we were in Idaho over three and a half years ago. Uh, Boise, Idaho was the, the in all of the United States, one of the up there with Miami, what happened over in Florida. But Florida happened later. What happened first in Boise, Idaho? A lot of people were migrating from California to Boise, Idaho, and it's only like an hour flight away. It's a beautiful area. Climate's great. And what and I do was it just I, affordability? Uh, and I, I don't mean to keep interrupting you, but just so for, for clarity, was it affordability, you think? Is that why they were going there? Yeah. So there's, well, I'll tell you all the factors. This is what okay, I, this okay. is what I do. So I do my research before I go into an area. Right. So it's not like I just go pick a neighborhood and go like, Oh, this sounds like a great place. I look for in, uh, I look for growth in the, obviously the, uh, the population. I look for medium income. I look for medium income versus cost of house and living. I look for all the big monster companies, Google, Facebook, Costco, any of those moving in to a relative uh, city, a city like that. And then I love, suburbs right outside of those super fast growing cities. So I target some of the fastest growing cities with the best medium incomes ratio to um, their to the housing. This is what I've done for the last three, four years. And then we go in. So I was on Boise, Idaho really early. We have four properties there that went crazy, right? They like doubled in what over the last three and a half years. Now, I also stopped buying there a year and a half ago because I knew that when everybody else had a, a huge shortage, Boise, Idaho was one of the only states in all of the United States that wasn't, they were, their building laws are like Texas. They, they, they allow building like California is hella strict. Like you, it's so hard to build in California, which is also why it drives the prices up. And so Boise and, and, and Texas, which we're in also has like their restrictions really easy. So they were building. So when they saw the market going, building, 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 building. And so I caught that wave on the way up, but then I pulled back and said like, all right, we're good. Like we're going to, we're going to move out of this area because We've already made tons of equity on this place. And it, the first places that will crash will be these places because they have the most inventory. And so that's what we're seeing, right? So Boise, Idaho is, is crashing the hardest first. So we've already seen about 30% come off, very similar to what you said. Like, But that, obviously that's the 30% off the crazy 50%. Yeah, the unrealistic it, it, peak, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're still, everything's in the positive. We have nothing in the negative, right? Every, everything is uh, positive for us because I froze our buying at the end of last year, early this year, even though I closed escrow just two weeks ago, but that was something that was being built for us. So unfortunately, my last loan was at 7% interest, right? So I got or 6.75, I think was the last the last deal that I got in at. So, but it's it's over seven now for investors. So if I were to buy a property today, um, I'd be over seven to get into a place. But I've, I've, so right now we're stacking capital and we're getting ready to deploy over the next six to nine months. So I believe that, this right now, and I, I called this on the podcast last year. I said, October of this year will tell us what the real estate market's going to look like going forward. And sure as shit, when all this stuff came out, like 
and you kind of saw the writing on the wall a little early, but right now it's just, everything's plummeting. Every, no one's buying. Everyone's coming out of jumping up, dropping out of their loans. So I think the next 12 to 24 months is, is going to be a buyer's market. I mean, we're going to have the leverage to go in and make deals. And uh, I mean, I've been overpaying for property for the last three years. And so the, the, the goal for me now is to go in, target these properties and be able to give, you know, give under asking. And right now we are in single, mostly single family homes. Um, I, I like like brand new. So I like new. And the reason why is not because that's the best investment or the best return on my ROI. It's because we have real estate is not my big baby. Like my big multi-million dollar baby is mind pump media. Like that is producing. And so I can't, I don't want a property that I got to go in and fix or I got headaches. Like, so I'll, I'll take less cash flow for a like, you know, leave, set it and leave it. Right. So I can turn key it. My property manager handles it. I'm not going to get a lot of headaches. It's brand new. So I look for areas like that right now. Most all of our properties are pretty brand new or within the first four years, um, single family homes. I have one, two, three duplexes. I just got into student housing out in Oklahoma. Um, and then we are going to do our first short-term rental, high-end short-term rental. So we have this idea to create these, um, we're going to call them like MP houses and use our podcast to advertise them. So I have over the, over the years of mind pump, we've built all these relationships with partners. So I, I do advertising for about 25 different companies, infrared lights, like juve chili sleep pads for your, for your mattress, PRX gym equipment for inside. You think cold plunge dips, saunas. And so I have them outfitting all my houses, like literally with like a hundred thousand dollars worth of high end badass shit in our house. So this, this park city house that we just closed escrow on has a jacuzzi, a sauna, a steam room, a cold plunge, a gym inside of it, a movie theater inside of it, chili pad mattresses on it, the infrared sauna lights in there. Like it's tricked out. And then. Yeah. For I'm anyone curious to see how that goes. Yeah. That's so sick. That is, that would be such a cool property to stay in. Yeah, because so, you're just going to stay just for the heck of it to test everything out. You know, it's like yeah. a big, it's like a big, for, for people that are into that type of stuff, it's like a big playground. Totally. And th so, and now, and what I love about your guys' podcast is, because this is really talking about stuff that I'm into, like, we're trying to build something like totally selfish now. It's literally, I went into Park City because I'm a big snowboarder. Park City is one of the most travel places to go snowboarding and skiing at. It is during the wintertime. It is like, I'm, I'm going to be able to rent that place from a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a night in the winter time. So between the winter months for three to four months, I will make most of my money for the entire year for that place in that, in that window. But then the down months, which is normally really slow for short term for everybody else, we're going to use the podcast to leverage the audience that will, that are into all those things. If you listen to my show, you're into all the things I just listed. And so when most people would be only getting $200 a night for their place in the middle of fucking, you know, March or April, we're going to still be able to charge kind of a premium. And I expect us to be able to keep it full or pretty close to full because we have an, we have over 10 million listeners a month. So I'm yeah. going to be able to market and advertise it. If this model works, this is where I'm going. So this is the yeah, plan. You could, that you could pick in a lot of different popular places around the U S where people are doing activities that, that likely they would be more appealing to that type of thing. And you could set those up and, and yeah, just with, with, with the reach you have. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very smart. 
look, there's some people here that do uh, short-term rentals in areas around here that I would, I look at them, I'm like, what? You're doing a short-term rental in this small little community somewhere? I'm like, who the heck is staying in these places? Like, it blows me away where are these, these short-term rentals you can do, but that's such a unique, uh, a unique approach to it. It's really cool. The, what was interesting is all the stuff that you are talking about is the exact same stuff we look at up here, right? Because we've been watching, like up here in, in the Toronto area, our population growth has been number one in G7 for, for years now. We've And we're underbuilding. So unlike uh, uh, Idaho, like you were talking about, our, we're the worst. We do everything slowly. The, our building times for, for approvals over the last, um, what was it? Is it a three-year period? I believe it's a three-year period. I just had the, the chart up. They've, they, on average, depending on the project, it's it's taking 40% longer to get things approved just from government wow. red tape. So over the last 10 years, actually 20 years, we've, but what it really started was when we changed some immigration laws to let non-permanent residents come in with um, student visas and then give them a path to permanent residency. So that changed, and from about 2015, we've had this huge influx of immigration that has um, qualified immigrants. You know, not like just like people just showing up at the border, right? Like qualified sure. people that are following, following the rules. They're going to school, and then they're they're taking that path of citizenship, um, and then we're not we're underbuilding. So we've had a shortage, particularly in the Vancouver area, but in some areas of BC and the Toronto area, not across the country. But we've seen underbuilding, and we're seeing a shortage, which is driving and look. Cheap money is obviously fuel on the fire, 100%. Like it just made things go ridiculous and like it didn't make any sense. But we've had this underbuilding that the supply demand numbers here are totally out of whack. And then when things got really, when affordability started struggling this year because rates went up so quickly, they started doing, um, you saw it go back into the rental market. We're having bidding yeah. wars on these rental properties, right? We have about 15% appreciation just this year in, in a lot of rents that we're seeing. Right. Yeah. So it's just it's we're we're fighting these dynamics and we're like, these aren't sustainable. And like, what the hell is the government going to do? They're screwing up the whole system and they're not yeah. they're not back. Like they're just focusing on the <laughs> symptom. They're not focusing on any causes. And then now, that, like, and I'm just curious to see what, you, what you're thinking, because you're into this stuff. Yeah. So we're yeah. looking at the Federal Reserve and interest rates and they're hiking these things. And we're like, well, with this much debt in the system, they're, they're, they're basically coming out saying they're going to blow it. The U.S. Treasuries, they're already having problems in like different financial markets, in different currency markets in you know globally right so you've yeah. seen the uh, bank of japan step in the bank of england had to step in the fed they're they're like janet yellen went from one day janet yellen was saying no i see no problems to the next day she's like oh i'm a little bit worried about the liquidity liquidity in the treasury markets so you know i know i, I like i get it we're not economists and stuff like that but we, I, I think we study this maybe even more than some economists so but um so what are you thinking because i just see that this thing breaks like this thing has to reverse course or they're just going to blow the whole thing because of how much debt there is in the system Okay, that's the part that makes it really interesting. Is there's a lot of there's a lot of variables that are. I get asked a lot, like, do I think that we're going to see an 08 crash? And no, I don't think we're going to see an 08 crash. And the reason why I don't think we're going to see an 08 crash is because in 08 we had two in every five homes. I don't know if you know this stat or not. Two in every five homes was an adjustable rate loan. Right now we're that's that's two that's two in every two hundred. So not even not even a, a fraction of the loans are these adjustable. And most people are sitting on a ton of equity. So most people are not going to have to bail out and get out of their house. And that was a lot of what we saw in the 08 crash. So, but what I do see is I see inflation, right? I don't know if you saw uh, Pepsi just released their year over year. They came out and said that they, they had to increase their prices by 17%. So a lot of these, 
this idea that inflation's only at like seven or eight percent. A lot of people are like, well, it's way worse. That's because we've we've adjusted it to make it look like it's only seven. It's really more like 15, 15, 17 percent, which you're yeah, seeing. Like from don't, the- buy, don't buy, don't buy, replace your steaks with hot dogs and then inflation isn't so bad, you know? Yeah, right, right. So, so. Okay, so I, I think we're going to see 10% interest on a 30-year mortgage. I think that's around the corner for us and because I think that's the only way they're going to tamp down inflation. I think they, they're going to be, their hands will be forced there. But then like you say, like we, then the government owes so much money, they can't keep the interest rates so high for so long because then they can't pay their bills. So I think they're going to they're keep going. I think we're going to see another 75 basis points come out from the Fed again. So we're going to see that come up. I think you're going to see the 30-year mortgage come up. I think by the end of this year, we will be close to 10% interest rates. And I think that's going to dramatic. I mean, it's going to go like this woo, and way down on like all the houses. What I'm seeing right now, I just told my wife this. We're in the middle of like looking to buy another place here or I'm actually a renter where I live. So I own 15 properties, but I rent my home where I live. Perfect. And I rent- Whatever works. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, because I, I rent a, two, a $2.5 million house cost me $5,700 rent, but that mortgage would be eleven twelve thousand dollars $12,000 a month to own it. It makes no sense in California. So anyway, so we're, we're, we're watching that. And I told her, watch what's happening right now. You're going to see these really nice houses that people bought second, third homes that thought they were going to flip it real quick, or it was like a, maybe an investment property and now shit's going down. So you're starting to see all these houses that people are going to hang on to because they got equity. They don't have to sell, but then they're going to have to rent them out. And so the renting, the renting market is going like crazy. So I actually think rent is going to actually go down a little bit, which I wouldn't have thought that about a year or two ago. So rent because the market's going to get flooded. And a lot of these people aren't going to walk away from these houses because they have so much equity. And I think the banks will be forced to work deals out where they extend the loan. I called about three years ago. I said, You've never heard anyone talk about a 40-year mortgage. I think the future is 40-year mortgages. I think you're going to hear the way we talk about a 30-year mortgage, we're going to talk about 40-year mortgages. That's going to be the new thing that ever that everybody gets a 40-year mortgage because everything's going to have to be so inflated price-wise. And then I think towards the middle of summer next year, I think we're going to start to see interest rates come back down, but I don't know if we will ever see 3 or 4% again. I think in our and I mean that was in my life I'm 40 41 years old. I've never seen that in my lifetime before. I don't know if we'll ever get back down that low. I think we're going to see go all the way up to 10. And I think that that's going to, I think that's going to bog down the the real estate market like crazy. That'll hopefully bring down inflation a tiny bit. And then I think you're going to slowly see them start to reduce because they're going to have to, so they can breathe. They're going to slowly start to bring down the interest rates. And then I think we'll probably level out somewhere in the five to 7%. And that'll be, that'll be normal. That's my guess, right? I could be completely wrong. I think inflation has to rip still for them to keep them that high because they need the negative rates to reduce their debt to GDP ratios. So if they leave them in a real positive territory, I just don't know fiscally how they're, how they're, how they're going to pull it off because as, as, as they crush the economy, their tax revenues are going to go down and they're not going to be able to kind of make the payments on this stuff. So it's going to be... So, okay, so, so, something, fine line. so did you see what uh, um, Pelosi just came out and talked about and what they just I did try to Biden? ignore everything she says as best possible. <laughs> Just like, other than her, other than what they're buying, well, other than the stocks that her husband are buying, I try to ignore everything else. Okay? Yeah. So yeah, she made all my all my marijuana stocks jump up the other day. So okay, so I have this. This is this is completely out my ass speculation. But to your point right now, because I like obviously they need those that money. So that and to, in order to pay their own debt, right? Because we're our debts we're so upside down, and so they can't continue to raise interest rates or they or they won't. But 
if we went full legal on marijuana in the United States, the amount of extra tax dollars that are going to come from all these states might be enough to keep the United States. And what just came out with Pelosi when she was talking about marijuana and what Biden did, I think that was a feeler to see how everybody would res re respond. So either one, that was a strategy for midterms for them just to get like some, oh, yay, you guys are going to help all these people that are in jail with marijuana, or it's setting the table for, all right, we're going to go full legal on marijuana. And so they can try and capture all that tax money. That's yeah. my, my prediction. You know what? It actually makes sense. It's no different than why so many states started allowing gambling because they needed the tax revenue. And if they do it from a federal level and they get they can tax it from that point, it actually, I, I know there's like, if there's, you know, there's not a lot of basis behind it, but just logically, which with the government doesn't really count for anything, but anyways, it, it, it does make sense. You know what I mean? That's interesting. Do you have any problems? So now I'm asking a selfish question here. Um, we're looking, we're thinking about potentially buying something in West Palm just because we just wanted another option on the East Coast here. We we have a place um, in Croatia, just lifestyle property that we go to uh, with our family. So we go to Europe every year for a month and hang out there by the water and stuff and we like it. And we're thinking about buying something south here. Um, I think what happened is when, when all the COVID stuff hit, we just realized we want more options of places to be in the world rather than less options. Um, but that market seems to be holding up actually right now because it seems like a lot of people from the U.S. are moving from different parts of the U.S., including California, are moving because we have some friends that have moved out to like from California, the Tahoe area down to uh, they're in the Phoenix area now or Texas or Florida and that type of thing. So it seems are you seeing that in what you've seen in the U.S. that there's people moving to from some areas that may not be as appealing as they once were to those to those kind of uh, southern areas? Yeah, no, 100 percent. And I think that. Um... I like Florida. We act, we've talked Florida multiple times. I, I missed the boat on Florida. I was scared because it was all the way across the country. And so if you look the way I invested, I invested, started uh, as close West and I've worked my way across the country. And I, so I wish I would have got to Florida and Florida was on my radar early too. Cause yeah. I knew I saw where it was at. It was a good buy three, four years ago. It was a great buy three, four years ago. Uh, right. But now it's so high. Now here's the deal. It's so high. I don't think it's sustainable as far as where where the the prices are at. I definitely think it's going to be. It'll be up there with one of the first to like come down and take a kind of a hit. The only reason why it's not is because, like you said, Florida is one of the most flooded into states right now. Yeah. So everybody that everyone everyone's running from those blue states and they're heading down into Florida. The question you have to ask yourself is, you know, is that just because of the current climate in, in, in politics right now, and will that sustain? Um, if you here's a deal. If you go somewhere in Miami that's desirable you can rent that out short term, you know, easily, you'll easily be able to at least make and if and if it's a, it's a selfish buy where you want to use it yourself part of the year. I don't think you're going to lose. I don't think it's a yeah. bad, a bad buy. And I think in the next six to nine months, you're going to have an opportunity. I think you'll be able to I think the next six to nine months, there'll be something sitting on the market that's a good deal that you'll be able to come in and offer under. And I think that's what happened. We we were like, once the rates started moving, we're like, oh, we'll just hold off and see exactly. We're like, ah, I don't think, I think it's not sustainable the way it went. Let's just see kind of what happens. And we're looking anywhere from Miami to Boca or somewhere along that, that kind of coastline there, you know? So yeah. Cool, man. Look, this, this, I don't even know what we had booked. We're over an hour. I think I apologize. And I took over and started now, but once we started, once the federal reserve came up, I'm like, okay, hold on. This just <laughs> took a turn. Dude, so like we didn't talk about fitness um, at all. We talked about your business, which, which was interesting, you know, to, to listen to. And I know for anyone looking like to, to, to see what people that actually have built something successful, it's so valuable because there's the roadmap there to be able to follow. And you kind of shared that. I appreciate that. And uh, 
it's cool how you guys, uh, what you thread through it and what, what, you know, how you guys use your personalities and your self-interest and stuff, man. Like this was, uh, I, ju I just really appreciated your time for sure. I don't know if there's anything else that we, we is there anything, for, hold on. Most importantly, what about what your businesses? What do you guys offer people? Like if people want to check you out, where do they go to check you out? Like what's the best way? Is it your YouTube channel? Is it your podcast? Like a audio version well, of podcast what, website? Yeah, what, what I do when I do interviews and people ask about our business, what I actually don't don't buy anything from me. Go go to mine, just Google Mind Pump and you'll find all of our yeah, free no, content. Yeah, no, for sure. You so give everything free. away for free. Don't buy anything ever. Yeah. No. Yeah, go <laughs> Go check all of our free stuff out. I mean, we're all over on YouTube. You literally can you, you Google Mind Pump and everything will start popping up. We have all kinds of free blogs and content. We've sent, we, we have five blogs that go out every single week. So we have blogs and newsletters and free content on YouTube. Like just go go take advantage of all the free stuff that we, we've created out there. Um, how big uh, is your team pushing out all that content? Uh, the editing team has one, two, three, four, five, six six people yeah. on the editing side yeah okay. yeah so we're about it's a it's a lot of content that you're pushing out that like that's a lot between all those blog posts so, and stuff that's and the oh i don't count that right so I, okay just from the just from the video side video editing like that we have blog we have another three to five bloggers but i, I bloggers are contracted I, I i pay them 30 to 50 dollars a blog okay. that's individuals that are doing that so when you i we have like 15 full-time employees that are like nonstop around the clock working. And then I have a lot of contractors for things like blog writing and stuff like that. But as far as like what it takes to put out the show we do every, every week and what it takes to do those YouTube clips, that in itself is six videographers and editors that are constantly around the clock clipping away at all, all that stuff. And we built yeah. to that, right? I mean, there was a time when Doug did everything. It was literally the four of us built it to a, a, a multi-million dollar business before we brought anybody else it, it yeah, really on. We ran... Yeah, we ran a real shoestring budget. And still to this day, we run pretty lean. Like we invest more than we actually bring home ourselves personally. So we're, and, we, and I'll take a deal. Like we didn't even get into the angel investing, but you know, we, we're, we own 10 different companies that we, if we advertise for you and you're an up and coming company, I'll trade commercial for, for stock. So a lot of our companies that you hear us talk about, I'm also an investor. So we'll do half capital and we'll do half trading commercial. So, and we're, we're, heavily vested in in those companies so when i talk about them on a show many times i'm also an owner of the company yeah dude there's so much you guys are doing it's it's so interesting i, I mean we could we can do multiple of these it's because you got there's so many facets to what you guys do and it's, it's so thought out and methodical around how you built it um so you could one thing can leverage the other you, you know it's, it's cool um but but so so just go sort of go mind pump media youtube channel mindpumpmedia.com yep. check out all your free free stuff yeah and then literally legal literally google mind pump i think we own the first five pages that's, that's yeah not, i think you so, do yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you can't <laughs> go ahead selfishly i was gonna ask you one more question because i know people are always interested someone like you that you got a lot going on you you talked about all your businesses you have business partners which is which is cool too that presents its own challenges you're you know into fitness and, and health and that type of stuff too so that there's some time what's your day like where do the priorities lie like what's your day look like in the morning do you got some sort of morning routine like well how do you how do you do that because everyone's always interested in hey how does this person do that and what kind of tricks they can learn from other people so uh okay i um such a, like a funny answer when it comes to that. I'm so not a morning guy. I do not have a good morning routine. I, I have, if, you know who Alex Hormozzi is? Have you heard Alex Hormozzi talk before? No, I haven't. Oh, look up Alex Hormozzi. He, you'll like a lot of the content he produces. Check out, he, he literally just started blowing up 
online. The guy's the guy's worth millions and millions, and he's brilliant. He he did a video on morning routines, and it it so is who I am. And I believe this, right? So I think a lot of the morning routine stuff is very hacky and gimmicky. And it's like a way to get people because they're like, oh, I, I'm looking for this answer. And he has, a, he has a beautiful way he articulates why he's not a fan of, of, of morning routines. And that's because when you build something, like you, need to, you have to be resilient. And he's like, I love competing against somebody who thinks they need to have this perfect routine to, to set their day off in the right motion. Because all I have to worry about, then it, one thing disrupts that, they're a fucking mess. He goes, I'd rather be the person who can get two hours of sleep, sleep on a concrete floor, get up and crush business every fucking day. Like, I want to be that guy. I, I live in that world. I live in the some nights I'm up till two in the morning. Other nights I get in bed by nine or ten. I have some things that I try and do to mitigate that. Like, for example, like I do notice a difference. If I'm on my phone or tech when the sun goes down, that'll disrupt my sleep. So I put on fucking blue blocker glasses if I'm working late like that. I try not to be talking with my wife at midnight in the bed with business. I'm guilty of that though, because it'll disrupt my sleep. I do have a cold plunge that I use. And when I get in a cold plunge, it does start my day off amazing. And I super, but I don't have this like crazy ritual because I'm, I'm, I'm in his camp where it's like, I want to be able to perform when I'm half awake and fully rested, or if I had this perfect routine or not. And so I don't, but here's, I have non-negotiables like, I come home, I come home early every day. I come home by three o'clock. And when I get home, my phone goes down and it's my time with my son. I have a three-year-old son who's my world. Cool. And when I walk, when I walk in the door, like from three o'clock till seven, when he goes down, that's my time with him. And I disconnect no matter how busy I am, how much shit I got going on. I don't want my son to grow up seeing his dad, who's a serial entrepreneur, always on his phone or his computer. So I completely get rid of that stuff when, I, when I'm home. I, I keep it in those windows of either when he's sleeping or when I'm at, at my studio in, uh, at work that I put my work in and then I get done, man. And I, I really, I really have got, I, I'm lucky that I don't have like this crazy, I don't have crazy long days for all the businesses I run. What I'm really good at, really good at figuring a part of the business out and then delegating it really quick. Like I, one of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs, some of their most, most entrepreneurs that I've mentor or help, one of the Achilles heels is if you're, and these are successful ones, is letting go. Doug is terrible at this. He's been a one-man show his entire life. And so they, they get a, a biz, part of their business is running and they're doing everything. They're having success. And then they're, they can't scale the next level. And part of why they can't scale is because they can't let go of these things they do. And part of why they can't let go is because they're afraid to give it to somebody else who will never do it as good as them. And I'm okay with that. I've le I learned a long time ago in leadership, like no one's ever going to do it as good as me. I know I'm better at it. doesn't fucking matter. But my time is, is so valuable that I need to be doing something else to help this thing scale. So I figure something out, like everything in the business from video editing to the show, to the blog writing, to the marketing on the back end, yeah, to I did, I, did it, I did it all. I did it all enough to know what a, what a good job looks like, how long it should take to do it. And then I farmed it out. And I, and I, do, I continue to do that in this business is. I mean, the real estate thing, I did that all myself. Now I have three different people that work underneath me that do all that. I don't have to go look for deals no more. Deals come to me and I just, I just say yes or no. And so as soon as I figure it out, I'm like already looking for who can I hire to replace me in that and then move on to the next thing. And that's, and I've gotten good at that. I've done that in my life. Like, so when it comes to the business, I got all this shit I'm juggling, but I have a ton of people that are really talented that I've hired and developed around me that do a lot of the stuff for me. I just got to kind of oversee it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's funny, man. A lot of things you say really align with me too. I'm a big believer in that. Like, I think you need to do it yourself. Know enough of it, like that someone can't basically like pull the wool over your eyes. You, you know, you know what it takes and roughly has an idea. It doesn't it's even simple, like it's some sort of renovations and property management. Like if you've done it yourself, then when your property manager is doing it and they're trying to, if they're trying to feed you a load of BS, you know, because you've done it yourself, you have an idea, you know, and, and instead of versus taking the approach of just never getting your hands dirty at all. And like, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's weird. I know I, I'm agreeing with a lot of what you say, but it's just, it, it aligns a lot. Um, I, think, I know we've gone a little bit long. I, I don't know if, and I've, I've kind of, I, I kept asking Adam a hundred questions because uh, I appreciate the conversation, man. I really do. I don't know if there's anything else to, to, to wrap up, Anthony. No, I like, I think a good kind of way to wrap would just to be get, you know, your general advice. You've, you've built a body, you've built multiple businesses, you know, I guess the typical way to maybe to wrap would be like, what's your advice for someone who also wants to kind of live life on their terms, whether it's fitness, health, business. From talking to you from the past hour though, I'm guessing the advice would just be get after it. Kind of, <laughs> and that's kind of the energy I get from you. Yeah, it's the David uh, Goggins approach. Stay hard, yeah, MFR. I, so, I'm, so actually it's funny you say that because I've actually, I've, people think I don't like David Goggins because I've come out on a couple of things. The way he presents health and fitness is not my style. Oh, yeah. And actually, I'll give, yeah, I'll give, you, I'll give you something that I think is that, uh, that has been a, a major key to my success in both fitness and in business. Um, and I think it's counter to the David Goggins. It's counter to what I think a lot of us were taught growing up, which is like shoot for the stars and land on the moon. Like, so this, what made me a really good trainer, and it took me years to figure this out, was getting people to get small wins was so crucial to building good habits and routines and keeping them consistent forever. So if a client comes in, they say they got to lose hundred pounds. It's like a, a business guy coming in saying, I want to make millions of dollars, right? You, just, you never, you haven't made a dollar yet. You want to make millions of dollars. A client comes in, they say, I want to make, or they want to lose hundred pounds. They haven't lost any pounds yet. And a big mistake that trainers make, a big mistake that entrepreneurs make is right away. They sit down, they write the big business plan and they have all these, it's like, and they don't even, they don't start taking action on small wins right away to build momentum in their life. And I think this, this, this applies in business and this applies in getting, getting really fit is set, set stupid, easy, realistic goals that you know you can crush. So, I, and I do this to my, like, if you, I fall out in and out of training consistently all the time. And when I have like, like a two week vacation or something, or I had a kid or something happened where I was inconsistent, the way I get back to my routine, I don't go back to like training one of my map programs that I sell. I, you know what I do? I tell myself like, you know what, Adam, I just need to get in my garage and do three sets of squats. It'll take me five minutes to do that. Three sets of squats and then be done. I set a goal like that. Even at the level that I am of training and understanding and like discipline when it comes to that stuff, I, that's all I want to, all I want is because you know why? Because I know I'll crush that. It's fucking easy. And what happens is sometimes three sets turns to five, turns into a 30 minute workout, turns out, but sometimes it just ends up being that three sets because it was so hard to get in because I did not want to because I was tired and I don't feel like it. And, and but I can get those three sets done. I get that three sets done and I'm like, OK, good. I got that done. But I got to win. And then the, tomorrow, the next day, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go in there and get, you know, four shoulder presses. That's not a big deal. That only take me like seven minutes to do that. And, th and then you, all of a sudden you start noticing you start building businesses the same way. You have this big goal. I want to be a millionaire. This huge mind pump media business. Like, whoa, just just do some podcast episodes and, and actually have a goal of getting five listeners that have never listened to you before. Like, can you get five people that have never missed it, listened to you? And you set these small obtainable goals 
and you start building wins. And when you're winning, it's so much more exciting to come back at, at the grind, to come back at that work and do it again. And I think it's a mistake that people make in fitness. I think it's a mistake that people make in entrepreneurship. And the reason why, going back to Goggins, who I love, by the way, because I like, I like a lot of stuff. But I mean, that message sometimes, people hear that and they're like, well, I just got to kill it. And they, they, they overdo it. They overdo it and it's not sustainable for them. A person who's never worked out before who gets a David Goggins message and then they go to the gym and they fucking murder it for 90 minutes. And then in the next day, they're fucking beat up and sore. And then they're like, oh my God, I don't want to... Like, the energy it takes that person to go back and do that again every day, they ain't David Goggins. They ain't got that switch. That guy's, that guy's got another switch. He's special for a reason. So don't approach life that way. Don't approach business that way. Set yourself small, obtainable goals. Get wins, build that momentum, and then let it go from there. I think that's the best way to, to end things. Awesome. Um, yeah. That, yeah, that was awesome. Adam, look, thanks so much um, for taking the time to speak with us, man. This was, this was great. I really appreciate it. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want to check out more for Adam or from Mind Pump Media, their main website is mindpumpmedia.com. So you can check out all their stuff there. Their podcast, you can just check out Mind Pump Podcast. And that's with Adams on that as well as uh, Sal, Justin, Doug. So they go far beyond fitness there. Or like he explained, they do some fitness stuff early on and then they get into some other things as well, depending on what topics you want to cover with them. So whether it's fitness, business building, their, their investing economy, that type of stuff, they cover all sorts of stuff on on their podcast as well so there's a number of different things you can check out there and the last thing that you might want to check out this one's primarily fitness from what i can see in different exercises and things it's mind pump tv and that's their youtube channel as well so they have a ton of different stuff out there um, and that's why their subscriber base is so big and they're doing they're doing some pretty good things so appreciate you listening hope you enjoyed it and until next time your life your terms